At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. Small crowd today, happy ACL weekend. It's a beautiful day, cannot be more beautiful. More and more... I am loving working in my garden. More and more, now that that, that the bolters have been in our house, which is like a mile and a half that way on Broadmoor Drive, uh, now that we've been there several months, more and more, I'm loving working in the yard, getting stuff done in the garden. Um, But like many of you, I try not to use too many chemicals. Are you with me? Like many of you, I try to stay away from Uh, toxic chemicals from pesticides, from herbicides, uh, and and stuff like that. It's not good. Uh, But what that means, what that means is, for example, that whenever I need to do something like remove a wasp's nest, right, I do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, I don't use a toxic spray, no. Instead, I do it the old-fashioned way. I grab a broom or a hoe or a shovel. I cautiously approach that nest and whack! I take my best shot at that nest, trying to knock it down because I know that if that nest falls, well, you run, but if the nest falls, problem solved, right? Now, friends, today we come to Matthew 21 and something similar happens. We come to Matthew 21, this parable of Jesus and the vineyard owner, the vineyard owner and the vineyard. We come to this parable, and Jesus does something kind of like that. You know what he's doing? He's kicking the hornet's nest. You see, here in Matthew 21, we come to something of a climax, if you think about the big picture of Matthew's gospel. For 20 chapters, we've been observing Jesus. We've seen his whole life. We saw how he was born. We saw how he was when he was a young boy. We've seen his ministry, how he loved, how he served, how he brought people into the love of God, bringing them in to the kingdom of heaven. But as Jesus did all of that, there was one group that didn't like it. There was one group that did not like any of that. Out of all the different kinds of people that Jesus hung out with, out of all of the different groups that he interacted with, right? Poor folks, uh, folks who became his disciples and followed him, tax collectors, 
prostitutes, folks with leprosy and other kinds of physical maladies, Roman soldiers, Roman officials, out of all of these different kinds of people, there was one group and only one that rubbed Jesus the wrong way. Who was it? Was it the tax collectors? That would make sense, right? I mean, the tax collectors were basically in bed with the Roman Empire, but nope, it was not the tax collectors. Was it the lepers? That might make sense because after all, the lepers are highly contagious and it would make sense to think that they need to be quarantined and isolated and avoided. Was it the prostitutes? Surely it was the prostitutes, the sexually immoral ones. I mean, surely it was they who rubbed Jesus the wrong way and made him angry? But here again, the answer is no. It was not the prostitutes either. Who was it? It was the religious types. It was the scribes, the elders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They are the ones who tracked Jesus's every move. They were the ones whose power and privilege was jeopardized by his ministry. They were the ones who viewed him as a threat. They are the ones who began to plot and scheme in order to bring him down. You see, they are the hornets. They're the hornets. In this story that we have, the story of Jesus that we hear about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are the bad guys. They're the hornets. And here in Matthew 21, Jesus is kicking their nest. He kicks the hornet's nest at the beginning of chapter 21, whenever he enters into Jerusalem and cleanses out the temple. He kicks the hornet's nest right after that when he confronts the chief priests and the scribes with his teaching on the inside of the temple. The next morning, he kicks the hornet's nest again when he answers their question, as we saw last Sunday, with a question. And he kicks the hornet's nest today in our passage this morning by telling this particular parable. This parable about a vineyard owner who is wronged and harmed by some wicked tenants. Now, this is actually the second parable in a row. There's two parables in Matthew 21. They're back to back. This is the second one that he tells. And like the first one, it is meant to provoke the Pharisees to provoke the religious types. He's trying to get into their face and get under their skin. It is meant to serve as a kick, a kick to the hornet's nest. Once upon a time, Jesus says, there was a wealthy man who owned a vineyard. When harvest time rolled around and it was time to process the grapes for wine, the owner sent some of his workers down to collect the grape harvest. But when they got there, the tenants at the farm attacked the workers. They beat them up and even killed one of them. So the owner sent a second group of workers and the exact same thing happens. Violence, bloodshed, even murder. Finally, the owner decides to send his own son to collect the grape harvest and then the unthinkable happens. The wicked tenants murder the man's own son. Then, after the parable, Jesus turns to the Pharisees and the, and the priests, and like so many prophets before him, he cunningly and craftily gets them to realize, oops, oh snap, 
We, we the priests and the Pharisees, we are those evil tenants. And at that point, they become livid with Jesus. You see? He's kicking the hornet's nest. But here's the real question that I have for us this morning. Why? Why? I mean, isn't there a better way? Why does he do this? Why does he kick the hornet's nest? Why does he make things so difficult and stir up so much trouble? Couldn't there have been a better way? Couldn't there have been an easier way? Why does he do it? I'm so glad you asked. It has to do with the law, L-A-W. It has to do with the law. Question, why were the religious types so offensive to Jesus? Here's why. It's very simple. It's because they used the law as a weapon. They were not Bible thumpers. They were law thumpers, and they used the law to beat other people down and to make them feel inferior. But let me ask you another question. What does that have to do with us? Right? What does that have to do with us? I mean, I've never met a Pharisee, and neither of you. Sure, we, we're all aware of certain, you know, hell, fire, and brimstone preachers. Yes, we have heard of them, but they're a dying breed, even in the Bible Belt, and they just don't seem that relevant to our lives. So does that mean that the law is just completely obsolete for us? Does that mean that it's just a thing of the past? I mean, sure, it felt like a heavy burden to those first century Jews, the ones that Jesus embraced, yes. But what does it have to do with us in the 21st century? In his book, Seculosity, Seculosity, David Zoll answers this question in the book, Zoll shows how you and I, in American culture, we are constantly surrounded by the law. We are bombarded by the law. We are oppressed by the law. Except, David Zoll doesn't call it the law. He calls it enoughness. Enoughness. You see, we all want to feel like we are enough. In our careers, we want to feel successful enough. In our health and appearance, we want to feel fit and attractive enough. In our relationships, we want to feel desirable enough. In our parenting, we want to feel responsible enough. Do you see, it never ends, this desire, this drive to be enough. True, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, are no longer cracking the whip whoosh, over us. That is true. But plenty of other things are. Our careers, our parenting, our bodies, our relationships, all of it. In each and every case, you and I, we are striving to be enough. And friends, that is the law. That is the law. When we miss the mark and are not enough, we feel like a failure. When we get laid off, we feel like a failure. When we eat three extra desserts, we feel like a failure. When we snap and yell at our kids, we feel like a failure. So when we miss the mark, we feel like a failure. But guess what? When we hit the mark, we become self-righteous. 
When we're gainfully employed, we forget that our ability to work is itself a gift from God. When we can fit into a certain size dress or suit, we start to look down on others, at least I do. We start to look down on others who, who aren't so well put together. When our kids seem to succeed, we feel like we deserve all the credit. But don't you see, in every case, it's the same. It's about performance. That's America. It's about performance. If I succeed, I get arrogant. And if I fail, I start to feel like a loser. That's our world. That's America. That's our culture. That is the human condition. And that is what Jesus came to save us from. That is why he kicked the, the hornet's nest and attacked those first century wielders of the law. Jesus came to show us that we are, at the end of the day, enough. But there's one more reason, and I want to close like this. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come and kick the hornet's nest? Why is he so determined to protect his children from the abuse and the abusers of the law? It's all in today's parable. You see, in that story, it's very clear who the tenants are, right? They're the Pharisees and the religious types. And it's clear who the vineyard owner is, right? That's God, God the Father. And the son the son whom the owner sends back to the vineyard. We know who that is, right? The one who ends up dying. That is Jesus. But what about us? What about you? Is it possible to break the fourth wall? Are we in this story? Yes, you are the fruit resonant with Psalm 80 this morning and with Isaiah 5 that Mary Stewart read to us just a moment ago, resonant with those passages, the vineyard and the grapes are God's people. They are you and me. Why does Jesus kick the hornet's nest and confront the bad guys? One final reason, love. The vineyard owner will stop at nothing to redeem his produce, to secure that fruit. And in the same way, and with the exact same love, Jesus will stop at nothing to bring us to himself. For the joy set before him, Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Where are we in the story? We are the fruit. Why fruit? Why grapes? Why wine? Nothing is more joyful in the Hebrew, the first century Jewish imagination than wine. Nothing refreshes the heart and allows folks to rest quite like wine. We are that wine. We are God's joy. God would do anything for us. He has done everything for us. Why did Jesus kick the hornet's nest? The strongest and deepest reason, love. 
in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.